Hello, and welcome to the Grand Cinema Hotel, a podcast hosted by three friends who love cinema. I'm Alvaro, and I'm joined by my two co-hosts, Gus and Nate. Tonight, you'll be staying in room 106, Spencer, the latest fable based on a true tragedy by Pablo Lorraine. So go ahead, get comfortable, and throw on that Do Not Disturb sign as we explore Spencer. For the good of the country. For the country. Yes, the people. Because they don't want us to be people. What's going on, kings and queens? Thanks for checking back in the Grand Cinema Hotel. We got an absolute heater this week for you. We just got done seeing Spencer a few days ago, and we've been talking about it for the past few days. Um, Gus, what were your opinions going into the movie? Hey, guys. Gus here. Uh, My opinions going into the movie were slight skeptical, I would say, in the beginning. Uh, Not the biggest fan of Kristen Stewart's previous work, obviously, and I wouldn't say I've necessarily given her the biggest chance in seeing her other work, so... Just her being in the movie and cast as Diana was kind of like weird to me at first. And I also have not seen any of Pablo Lorraine's previous work. But after just seeing the trailer, I know, I forget which movie we were at. Obviously, it was something we were going to uh, see for the show. Mm-hmm. But the first time we saw this trailer, I looked at you guys and I was like, what the fuck? Yeah. Like, that looked so beautiful. And, like, from the moment I saw the trailer, I was in. But when I had heard the news, I, I was skeptical in the beginning. Let me uh, let me ask you guys this, uh, Ro. Do you like? Do you know anything about the royal family? Like, did that pique your interest at all? That this was about the royal family, or were you more interested in seeing it because we thought that that it was gonna look really good? Hi guys, Ro here. Um, I think that's why I was more intrigued. I've never really dove or researched about Diana. I obviously know about her because even in recent popular culture, people like to, especially women, like to look at her for like outfits. And how she dressed. Yeah, Yeah, like she's a drip goddess. (laughs) And um, that's like, that's why I was more interested in watching the movie. But I do think I side more with Gus in terms of um, when I heard of the movie, I just didn't really care for it. I didn't think it was going to be bad. But I also didn't like, I I wasn't excited. But then once we saw the trailer, I was like, that looks like it's alive. And I know Gus said that a lot. And just the, the amount of grain like visually it caught my attention but then also just some of the little small um i'm gonna say like shots that they had of her kind of like expressing herself Kristen stewart like her faces made me really feel like oh this is gonna be a movie that's driven by acting and so yeah. that's what made me excited to watch it hey i guess you could say it wasn't our cup of tea in the beginning, <laughs> yeah. so talking about the royals <laughs> yeah because I, I definitely feel the same way as you guys i really not that familiar with the royal family it's something that i guess feel the same way that diana kind of felt about it um <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's pretty, yeah. you know but uh it was yeah the it was beautiful the movie was absolutely beautiful yeah the, the cinematography in this movie is like top tier a1 I, I hope this movie wins a lot of awards. I, I just think to, it's so just gonna. so it gets recognized. I mean, not that awards mean anything, but just so it gets recognized. I've been I've been seeing a lot of talk about her potentially winning a. Oh no! I just wanted to. Sorry, I don't even mean to. Cut no, you no, off. no, you're good to go. But it's because we were talking about the cinematography, and I wanted to bring up the 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 guy. I think actually, I'm not no, even sure. It's, if a, it's woman. a it's a woman. Yeah, sorry, Claire Mathon. Yeah, but 
I haven't seen this movie either, but it like it was like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. Portrait of a Lady on Fire. That was the movie that she's yeah, done. Yeah, very similar looking. And ha- have you seen that, guys? No, have it's on my list. I have not seen it either. Yeah. I just haven't gotten around to it. I did want to watch it. I remember when it came out, Gus was excited to watch it. Just never got around to watching it. But I just thought, um, from the little small trailer that I saw, Portrait of a Lady on Fire, that was the vibe that I got from this movie. Right, like watching the trailer. Yeah, this cinematographer's vision for what movies should look like is just stunning and beautiful. It's incredible. uh, Like even the opening scene, it kind of starts with uh, she's just driving through the countryside, and you you just get a feel for what this movie is really going to be about. It's very reminiscent to me of like Eyes Wide Shut and like stuff Paul Thomas Anderson would do, but like. Kubrick would love these long shots of people driving that go on like way longer than they, <laughs> than they really need to be. <laughs> yeah. But I just, I like when a director and a cinematographer do things like that because it just, it's like, okay, this is the kind of movie you're in for is that there's going to be long shots like this. And uh, another movie that we had like what that we had seen and we haven't talked about it yet. We will in the future is uh, when we, when we had first seen the green Knight. Mm. there's like a long scene in the beginning of Gawain riding a horse and I remember telling Ro as soon as we got into the car, I was like, that's when I knew that this movie w- wasn't going to be what I thought it was going to be. Yep. Is whenever there's these long sequences like that, you know you're in for, like, just something different, you know? Yeah. There, it, this movie takes its time. I'm a sucker for movies who have me, like, 10 minutes or any time longer in and there's no word of dialogue stuff. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, right. I'm like, this is I like to cinema. feel like I'm in the world, right? Mm-hmm. Those long car shots, I kind of, like, perked up in the beginning and I was just like, Pointing at the screen, right? Yep. And I was just like, this is so gorgeous. Like, like Alvaro said, like, pure fucking cinema, baby. <laughs> it was so good. And just to, like, bouncing off of that scene after where it's her in the car, which is really cool, the Porsche that she's in. Oh, yeah. The the, the overhead Porsche. shot as she's going into it. It's not Buckingham Palace, right? Because no, Buckingham no, no, is no, in, no, is no. in um, we have London, the name right? Of it here. Yeah. But just the way that shot was, that overhead shot was so good. It, it, it just reminded me. Of a lot of yeah, like Kubrick's old stuff, Phantom Thread type of stuff. It like oh, it was it's, it's it was the, so good. It was the Startingham Estate, is what it is. Yeah, um, that place too was just like this whole movie is just dripping in luxury. It's and crazy, opulence. yeah. Like you said, opulence. That like, is that's, that's the, only the word. word I could think of. And I, the reason that word comes to mind is because I always think about Tyler the Creator on his latest album. At the end of one of his songs, like it's opulence, baby, because <laughs> like, like that's the whole vibe he's giving off on that album, and like. That's a funny comparison, but, like, Call Me If You Get Lost and Spencer are, like, probably the two most beautiful projects of this entire <laughs> year because they're just dripped up in luxury. Yeah, <laughs> they just really went for it. They had a vision, and I think they absolutely executed on that. I was not expecting this to be one of my favorite movies of the year. I, I was expecting to be a completely different movie going in. Because it, it seems like it's advertised more of a biopic, you know? And it's really And not. it's not. Um it it almost seems to be more of like we talked about like a psychological drama. Yeah, and like uh, with Rose intro about the fable based on a true tragedy, like that's the first shot of the movie. It's like you know opens with the black screen, and you see that little text in the bottom right corner of the film, and then that's when you know that you're just in for something different. I, I'm really glad it wasn't just a biopic because yeah. I didn't go there for a history lesson about a family I don't really know anything about. Right. I, I yeah. I figured they're just gonna go kind of through her life and maybe highlight some key moments but it was not the movie basically took place it was a week as a christmas weekend at this estate yeah, three days a whole three days for the movie so um i oh, like that um so good before we walked in we had made a joke because we've been watching all a lot of fun movies a lot of movies 
that we were looking at, like, to watch towards when these months were coming up. But this was a movie, Gus was saying, it's like it's vegetables. And it's because I think that came from the thought that it was going to be a biopic and that we already know where this is going to end. And I always like, I was like, I kind of don't want to see that, but I'm also don't know the story. So I'm interested in finding out how it got there. But then once you're in the middle of the movie, you're like, this is not what it's about. And it's a movie that I feel like I wish they got highlighted more. I wish these were the movies that people went out and broke records to go see because this is the type of stuff that I feel like people learn from actually watching. I want to see this in Dolby. Yeah, for real. To see that cinematography on that giant screen and to hear Johnny Greenwood score throughout through those giant speakers just rolling around you, the sound. like That's another thing in this movie is that the fucking music is so it good. Was I mean, it's Johnny Greenwood, so of course it's going to be. As right. you guys know, he's PTA's frequent collaborator. But his scores are so good. It's like the jazz and like the menacing like horror aspect that comes out of his scores. Like even in like the movies like There Will Be Blood and like Phantom Thread. Like there's he just has a way of using the score in a way that just makes you like anxious kind of that's, for what's about to happen next. That's right? what I was that's what I wanted to say is I think one of the things that this movie did better than a lot of movies that I've ever seen was to capture the feeling of anxiety. Yeah. And, like, to capture, like, a feeling of a, a full-on, like, a meltdown. And yeah, in, in a place where like? you really cannot show those emotions. And so, like you said, the score combined with the different... The camera movement in this movie was really... It was different. Yeah, I really like that it goes it goes to handheld a lot, if you've mm-hmm. noticed. And, like, I really like how personal that made it look. It did. You really got... I, you were just really able to feel those emotions that she was portraying in, like, real, like, you had said Kristen Stewart's acting, the way that she was able to, her facial expressions, like, facial. you just really got a feel for what they were trying to do. I, I think that they knocked this and movie out of the park. That's why it's it's such a good movie. It's like, you had the score, you had her facial expressions, the acting, the cinematography. It just seems like the perfect culmination of all of those things coming together, and usually... Out of those three, two will hit and one will be kind of off, you know, and that, that's normal. Like, I, I still love movies for that. But in this one, it just felt like I could feel the anxiety that that she felt like as a princess. And will I ever know that anxiety? No, obviously. Not but to that level. Not mm-hmm. to that level yeah. ever. But this movie made it feel like, oh, my God, like she was really, really like going through, going through it, you know. And I felt for her more than I felt for a lot of the characters in the movies we watched for recently. Definitely. And, and it was to, to know that this was a real story and we're like just and then you know how it ends obviously so sad just yeah it really is like a heartbreaking story it's a tragedy like they said a fable from a true tragedy it really is i really really enjoyed this one thing that i do really want to give them props on that i've seen i know we've even talked about it um a lot of the reviews that we've seen they've been kind of talking negatively about the story or the plot because there almost seems to not really be one right Mm -hmm. but i that's not what this movie is like this movie really is like a culmination of like we said the score acting outfits cinematography and like i think that since they didn't have to focus on like main story driving aspects they were able to hone in on those and that's what really made this movie shine it feels like an intimate home video the more i think of it it's almost like you're there on that weekend and you're seeing things that you should not be seeing yeah oh man the the struggle of being part of the royal family must be so ridiculous like, to think about just, like, some of the traditions that we learned about in this movie that right. they do. Right, Like, it, it opens with her dri- driving the Porsche, like we said, right? And she's, this is when we can, we already get our first hint that, like, she's not in the right state of mind because of where she's going back to. 
is that she's saying she's lost and she's going somewhere she's lived for 10 years. Right. right? And I, you just kind of can see that that's like a little cry for help. Like, I really don't want to go here. Mm-hmm. And from that moment, like when she stops to ask for directions, you just can already tell like this is not normal because a princess just walked into a small like side. It was of the like road it, yeah, like the, there's an eatery it's like and truckers, yeah, right? and yeah. it just gets quiet. <laughs> and they're like, uh, "Do you know who I am?" They're like, "Yeah, we know." Who Duh, you are. yeah, of course. Um, and then we we come to realize that that's like a gigantic no no for her to even be driving in a car by herself. Mm-hmm. The fact that she's ten minutes late, how dare she be show up after the queen, right? right? And then like I thought the most just like wild shit that they have for a tradition is like the weighing yourself when you get that there. blew me away and you're supposed to like gain three pounds by the time that the weekend is over He's, to prove that you had fun yeah he, i i don't know if like can you not leave if you don't gain three pounds or do you just look or you look down upon which you know <laughs> i don't know this movie really sets itself up to be like i know it's supposed to like we thought it would be a biopic but like that psychological drama aspect of it leaning into like the slightest tinge of horror really Mm -hmm. i was not i did not see that coming at all i i didn't either there's there's a scene um where she's eating the soup you know what but that does set it up like what i was saying what i was trying to say was that like all these like traditions and things we see is setting up that like this is like horrific it is (laughs) it's terrible no you're good um i I, I don't know. I love the soup scene. If you've seen this movie, you know what I'm talking about. But there's a scene where she's eating soup, and the soup is like, it looks like a pea soup. It's it's like a green color, and she has so these gross. these pearls that are very significant throughout the movie. That is pistachio ice cream. But I just thought, like, and then even the dress that she's wearing in that scene is the same color as the soup. And it, it just, Good I don't eye. know, this movie was just beautiful. <laughs> yeah, it was just absolutely beautiful. I did like the... The, that pearl necklace because it meant a lot too because it's from the she kept bringing up um the queen elizabeth right no okay so before we go any farther let's let's uh do let's go through the synopsis really quick i wrote this down um just so we kind of clue everyone's a little clued in on what the situation is okay here. since you brought up the pearls this is why they're significant december 1991 the marriage of princess diana and prince charles has long since grown cold Though rumors of affairs and divorce abound, peace is ordained for the Christmas festivities at the Queen's Sandringham estate. There's eating and drinking, shooting and hunting. Diana knows the game, but this year things will be profoundly different. Spencer is an imagining of what might have happened during those few fateful days. And the reason I wanted to bring that up is because, like, the pearls that you're talking about, it would be a real shame if we went that far into the podcast and, like, oh, we were talking about the wrong thing the whole time. (laughs) But, yeah, the pearls is, like, we see a shot in the trailer of this woman that like she's staring at Prince Charles and Prince Charles like looks back at Diana and he looks back at her. And I think that's what the pearls is signifying is that he's given this gift to like the woman that he's having an affair with and his wife. But I did think Prince uh, Queen Elizabeth at first. Cause too, they well. kept, um, I'm, Cause she had like a, maybe getting ahead of herself a little bit, but later in the movie she has like a vision of, so, because she talks about Anna, Anna, Bo- Anne, Anne, Boleyn. Anne Boleyn, yeah. But is that who she sees? Is that, is that who she pictures? When she's having like her visions. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. that is her. Mm-hmm. Okay. So because I thought they'd also, she she had said something that she also wore those type of that type of necklace when she when oh, she was well, there. Yeah, she did also. She was saying that she had a necklace that her husband had also given something to somebody he's having an affair with yeah it was basically pearls though it was a different it was a it was a necklace with their picture around it so it's just like the same idea that 
you know, this is cheating the kind of husbands. thing that, that Diana's I, going through is that the eyes of the nation and the photographers are all on her, and she's being judged very harshly when her husband is doing all the wrong and he's protected the entire time. Right. And I think what that Anne Boleyn was really symbolizing was the fact that this has happened throughout the royal history and, like, there are ghosts, you know, in the walls and that this stuff will be ignored and will be continued to be ignored, so. Yeah, just like that, this this family is never going to change. No. (laughs) Like, I think it was really interesting. They said in the movie that, you know, you have past, present, and future, but here there is no future. It's the past and the True. present mixed in as one. I thought that was so fucking cool. Yeah, I saw people have a problem with the writing, and I, I don't know if it was because of what you're saying, like the story and plot, but I saw one reviewer say that it was just like text, 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 and then next scene. But I didn't feel like that I didn't at feel all. like that I at all. That was, I, I, I even know. felt like it lacked. Uh, I, I don't know. I didn't feel like That's that. That's what the movie is about, though, I feel like. Like, we're getting, like you said, it's a home video of what happened. Like that's the well, best way to describe it, right? Because obviously, exactly. this is a, this is not exactly a biopic. But no. it, it it is supposed to be intimate. It is dialogue heavy. People talk like people aren't about a, like as much action. It's about those intimate anxiety conversations that you have with somebody. I feel like you're really missing the point of the movie. Not you, but I'm just yeah. saying, like, if you feel this way about the movie, that you're missing the point of this movie because Diana is someone who feels silenced, and then. She only has very few people in the castle, or not the castle, but the estate that she can talk to. Yeah. And we're seeing her finally express herself because the whole point is that she never gets to express herself or say what she really feels. And I think it's really interesting throughout the movie is you don't even have that many scenes where she interacts with, like, the queen or anybody else other than the servants. No, they're like shadow players Exact. Right, exactly. They're like, they're like the big baddies that you don't really see all that much, <laughs> except for, like, maybe one or two scenes when you're sitting at the dinner table in it. But... What I was trying to get at is that this movie, like, you don't get a lot of the filler parts. Like, you don't see what happens in the interactions with people. You get Diana's reactions after. Like, I when she's like changing outfits right. and you see her, like, like fuck, I just had dinner and now we have to go down and have dessert and I have to change. And she's dealing with whatever just happened. And uh, it, I did like that. I liked it a lot. Like, after the second time, we get that story beat that, like, they're waiting for you. I was expecting to finally get one of these, like, dramatic scenes with a lot of tension between her and the queen or one of the other princesses or something like that. But I was really glad that we didn't because I, I feel like this movie just would have started dragging on and like maybe giving another point of view of like Diana's the crazy one. And I, that's not the story that they were here to tell. I don't think so. Another thing that the fact that she didn't speak to the queen other than in one scene, I thought was super powerful because of what that scene really like entailed. Basically the queen tells Diana that she's currency. Yeah. Like you're nothing more than just money that's passed around. You know what I mean? Like it it just, it held so much more weight and clout, I think because that was the only interaction that we really saw them have. So I want to talk about the cast a little bit because this really is kind of like a one woman show, but there is players. It's strong. It it does have strong support where it needs it. Um, one person I or a couple people I like to talk about are Sean Harris. We love this man because he played King Arthur in The Green Knight. <laughs> so I literally, weird. I pointed at the screen maybe four or five times in this movie, and my favorite one that I pointed at, I'll get to later on. But when I saw him, I pointed at the screen. And I was like, he that, did. That, that, that's. Him. I was like, I was like, guess saw something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was just so excited to see him again. Um, he plays like the royal head chef, and he's just like one of the very few people who are actually nice to her in the castle. Um, 
in the beginning when she's like lost or whatever, he's like the first one who goes out and finds her. Mm -hmm. And And it seems like he has genuine concern for her. Yeah. Which is like, that's just cool that like, I guess it kind of shows you that Diana is more of the people than she is of like the royalty because she actually interacts with these people instead of just treating them like the servants. And I feel like that's why they care for her as well. And then we have Sally Hawkins, who's amazing as always. Shake water. What a good one. Um, Oh, and you said Paddington, right? Yeah, she Paddington and Paddington, I, you know, I too. I have not seen those movies, really? but they're I have really a feeling good. I'm going to be watching them sometime soon. <laughs> they're actually um, really good. <laughs> I know. I know. They're really good. <laughs> and I have heard they're really good. Paddington 2 is the shit. <laughs> We're active on Twitter. You've seen the page that he just photoshops Paddington into yeah. every, every If you guys haven't scene. seen that, you need to... You need to uh, whoop. I'll retweet it on the Grand Cinema Hotel's Twitter, so follow us there. It's Grand Cine Hotel, because the whole thing doesn't fit. I'm going to start retweeting those, and if you guys see them on there, you'll see what we're talking about. This guy who <laughs> photoshops Paddington into different movies. He's so funny. The, one, of the, one of the most recent ones I've seen was that he photoshopped him into The Thing. Oh, my oh God. God. <laughs> That's so funny. It's like Kurt Russell holding his flamethrower, and then, like, Paddington's, like, right behind him. That's so funny. <laughs> hey, you've seen Paddington, Nate? Yeah. Both of them? Yeah. Yeah. They're like feel good stories. Right? They are. Like, they're super. Fe- I mean, they, it, they're even kind of sad. But yeah, they're they they're really good. <laughs> okay, enough patting. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> hey, she's she's also in Godzilla too. <laughs> Nothing oh, to say there. Hear an episode about Godzilla. <laughs> Let's know. I'd be willing to do some things. <laughs> okay, so Sally Hawkins plays the royal dresser, who is like Diana's best friend in the castle, mm-hmm. and then. Uh, that's like one of the few people we get dialogue with, mm-hmm. like of Diana actually expressing herself. That doesn't feel like robotic. Yeah, you know? right. Or not fake. Because like you see these sequences of Diana with other servants and it's just so awkward. And mm-hmm. like she knows that she can't really trust anybody. Like even when like she walks into the room and the servants are doing stuff, they have to stop what they're doing, bow, and then wait until they leave the room. Like it's just so weird to me. Yeah, you know? there's so many <laughs> small sequences where like Diana knows that like exactly what they're gonna say next and she repeats it back to him. Yeah. Like, because oh, yeah. we're like we're like robots. We're not like people. Yeah. Um another good member of the cast who I didn't know I didn't realize that he was Wormtail oh, until yeah. you had mentioned it after is uh hold on, I got his name here. It's Timothy Spall. I okay, think. there yeah. you go. He just plays like the only real antagonist of this movie. Hater. Yeah. Hater number one, right? The royal hater. She, she's <laughs> like, should be his title. Yeah. She's like, Who are you? Yeah, King right? Snitch, King Snitch, and he's the one who really like upholds the tradition. He like he's the voice that the family wants to speak. Like they speak through him. Exactly. You know what I mean? Because this like British stuffiness of like never getting into confrontation. They like they use him to spout all of the things that they actually feel about her. They basically they basically use him as like a wrangler for Diana the whole weekend. You yeah, know? like within the first five minutes of the oh she's late. He's like, why would she be late? And then, like, with the way, the weighing thing, like, he insists upon her doing it when the last guy who did it, and he was always nice enough to not let her do it. There's even a scene towards the end that, uh, um, like, he's talking to Diana, and he's trying to persuade her to come inside, and she, he's, like, being nice and trying to tell her a story, and then she kind of shuts him down, and then he just gets pissed. Yeah. You know, it's just, like, you don't really care about this person. And since you had mentioned Anne Boleyn, she plays, like, a big role in this movie that... You really never see this coming, like the no. trailer or anything like that. But it only is because of this guy, and his name's uh, Alistair Greg, Major Alistair Gregory, and he's like some military dude, right? High-ranking yeah. official, but he's playing these mind games with Diana, and he's sort of one of the causes of this like heightened state that she's in throughout the three days. 
he's like a very like menacing like i don't even like he's just so like menacing he's foreboding yeah Yeah. he just plays like this haunting shadow that's like watching the entire time he's the eyes of the castle and he really you know (laughs) <laughs> him and the guy who played Prince Charles, I never seen bigger frowns in my life. I right? know, like, like such even... Muppets. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, seriously, <laughs> just like uh, the epitome of British stuffiness. <laughs> I think one of the lines that he says to her in that in the weighing that he's like, "No one is above tradition." Is like just perfectly represents what he is. Like what you said, he's like tradition. he he is tradition. He's there to check tradition. He's there to make sure. And she can obviously she obviously doesn't ride with them because of what you're saying she mentions the guy that was there before him he didn't really care too much about the way in and the tradition is pretty dumb obviously traditionally traditions are for morons shout out rick and morty since you had brought up tradition and like nobody being above tradition i feel like that ties with, with what nate was speaking uh, on with the the like being no future there's only the past and the present and the present is the past. Yeah, they're combined right. into it's one. Because they're so obsessed with tradition, which I, I just feel like, especially as Americans, we don't understand. Yeah, I don't, I don't fucking Americans. get I don't, yeah, like, At least not that. Like, not that aspect no. of it, right? Um, like, this is why we're very different from, you, from like, the UK. Yeah. It's like, I don't know. It, just, so much of this movie was just like, seriously? Yeah, like, you know you, like really? Yeah, like, wow, that's... Like, just, what year is it? Oh, it was 91? Like, oh, okay. <laughs> oh, yeah, seriously. <laughs> Not to say that we're, like, the most progressive country in the world or no. anything, but it just... This whole aspect of being obsessed with, like, what, the 1700s, the 1800s? Fucking who knows, yeah. so crazy to me. I, that's why I've never really been interested in the royal family. And that is something that I was thinking about, is, like, if you didn't have the cars in the movie, that could have been taking place horse and carriage yeah times, and like the right? 1700s yeah. like it really is the same shit uh, with the cast another i want to mention diana's act like family which would be her sons i did wanna, a, i wanted to, to talk, talk about, about charles yeah. as well let's start with the sons first because they were little cuties in this yeah. movie they i really like the the kid performers i have them written down here they're uh jack Nealon, jack Nealon, and freddie spry they play prince william and harry they did a good job. Yeah, I feel like they did a really good job. Mm-hmm. Those are some really wholesome moments in this movie. And that's, like, really the only chance we get to see Diana, like, actually being, like, a regular person. That's what I was going to say. around with her kids and playing games with them and, like, doing little dumb voices. Don't and do the voice. Yeah, it's so funny. <laughs> that's the but only, like, other place in the movie, because you're talking about with, like, Maggie, that she see, we see her has for what she is and how she thinks. And her biggest concerns a lot of the times is, I don't want this for my kids. So the scenes with Harry and William, that's like where we get her authentic self. That's where she knows she could be herself with the kids. And that's why I really enjoy those. I really like those moments in the movie. Those are some pure just mom and son moments. And I know Kristen Stewart and Paolo Lorraine said that the one thing they wanted to convey was that this was a movie about her being a mother. Right. That really is like the the through line throughout this entire movie of why she's... She's, she's always concerned with their kids. Um, what Something that I did want to bring up is, I mean, like, I know we talked about we don't really know all that much about the royal family in real life. Yeah. But the two kids, William and Harry, like, did you notice how they were having the, the kids portrayed in the movie? Like, it seemed like William, the older kid, like, he was about, like... He was more about the tradition. Yeah, he right? was about the tradition. He was having fun with it. Like, he's like, oh, we get to see the family. And then you have Harry, who's always... He's clinging to Diana, like, yeah. the entire movie when, when they're together. And he's he's not really interested in what's going on. He's more just kind of wants to hang out with his mom. I know. When and he, oh, sorry. And I, yeah, I was just gonna say like how that translated into real life. Exactly. Like you know what I mean. So. That's what me and Ro were talking about on the car ride home. Was that 
it was it this movie kind of gave you that indication of like this is why like I I don't really want to get into it too much on the real aspect but that like Prince Harry has left the royal family now mm-hmm. it, and like kind of like Meghan Markle going through the same thing that Diana exactly. went through and like yep. okay like look what happened to my mom and like how it was destroying her on the inside and obviously I don't want this for my wife and that's literally now what he said, out. right? In the in oh, the I'm sure. I, like I said, I don't want to get too much into it because I don't I haven't really looked into it. But the, yeah, I just I thought it was interesting that they yeah. did that. Yeah, I think the interview that she did, I think they did it with Oprah. Yeah, but Oprah came out of retirement for that yeah. one. That's that's what he said actually. Like almost line by line, but you said that was like I saw what happened to my mom and there's no reason for me to want to keep my wife in that cuz it's concerning for her own safety. And I just thought that was again what you're talking about Nate to him the director and the writer to put that type of dynamic into the movie it was it was like i could tell too like what you're talking about like william was more down with the tradition william had already and he, was he the one that already shot a gun because harry was mm-hmm. the one that was really nervous yeah about it, right? he w- yeah he had he was shooting guns but he wasn't good at it and then like with harry diana was very insistent that he wasn't old enough to be shooting guns in the first place but yeah, which is William being in line, and then I think he even had like it, like in line for the crown. But I think he has a line in the movie like about like, well, I'm going to be the king one day, mommy, and like so he's more aware of his status than right. Harry is. You know, Harry's got more of Diana in him. Well, in the movie, you know, right. I, I, like I said, I don't want to yeah, like, really yeah. talk about real people like I know them or anything like that, or that I'm even interested in what exactly. they're going <laughs> like, through. As Americans, I think I know what the, the royalty yeah, is about. Right? Yeah, I, I actually do want to know more about Princess Diana now going in like after the movie, just that, because how did she get into this situation? You know, that's exactly what I was going to say is that's something I'm very thankful it wasn't a biopic because now I, I want to go learn more about Princess Diana, to yeah, be honest. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I, I have no clue about her backstory at all before I don't this, either. but what a shame, right? To yeah. end up being part of this royal family. And then to have what happened happened. Yeah, that's really that really is a tragedy. Yeah. Um, one last person I wanted to mention, though, is the guy who plays Prince Charles. His name's Jack Farthing. Yeah. I'm going to call him Farthing because he was a douche. <laughs> he in this was a movie, douche. Dude. Oh, man. Just the most unsupportive, unloving, cold husband you can Co- think of. Cold is the best word, yeah. And just, I know I said this already, but he is the epitome of British stuffiness. And, like, I, I know I leaned over to you at one point in the movie. I was like, what a cuck. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. He is. He's, he's the like, worst. There's this sequence that, if you haven't seen the movie yet, uh, there's a sequence on YouTube and Twitter that they released, and it's this just really intimate conversation between Diana and Charles, and there it's uh, taking place in front of a pool table, and he's like telling, he's just going all in with like the tradition, like, don't you know what's happening? He's like, to us? this is what this is how it is. Yeah, this is how it is that we have to be two different people. We have to do things that our body hates doing, and like they don't want us to be people. Like we do. For the country and the good of the people, we aren't people. Exactly. Which, like, that's just so crazy. Right? And then, and like he, in that scene, he has the line, like what she said, like that we hate doing. And she repeated, she's like, that you hate doing? Like, why the fuck would you just keep doing things that you hate doing, you know? For the good of the country, but, which, what they're, they're, you know, and it's just crazy. They're figureheads, like. <laughs> yeah, there's just certain scenes in this movie where this dude has got the biggest frown I've ever seen. He just doesn't give a fuck. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Like, uh, like a straight Muppet. Yeah, like a Muppet, <laughs> exactly. And he really has no control over his life at all. Like, you could tell he's totally given into the idea that 
everything is just laid out for him. I love the scene at towards the end when Diana had took the kids and they had left, and he just kind of goes back into the Queen's graces, and they're all staring at him, like, so awkward. But, like, it goes to that thing and where they, do? they don't say anything to each other. They, they don't, but you can just tell that the Queen is so disappointed. <laughs> like... Uh, and he, he got majorly cucked at the end of this movie. He did, hardcore. <laughs> um, so, I feel like we've covered the cast. I, I, like, the other royal family members, they're really not in this movie. No, no. Even the queen, she just plays more of a presence than anything She's else. more of a background. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, great movie. I really recommend you guys see this. I do, too. What, what were your guys' favorite outfit that Diana wore in the movie? Ooh. Do you have one? I liked when she wore... <laughs> the blue, like, it seems like... Okay, I have the picture in front of me here. It seems like it's, like, a knitted, like... It's, like, a cardigan, but it's got, like, a... It's, like, very military style, because, like, the flaps go over each other, mm-hmm. right? And it's, like, got gold Chanel buttons on it. I was like, that's pretty drippy. Sick, I, yeah. I, I, <laughs> sick. You know what's funny is I can picture, like, Thundercat wearing that at his concert <laughs> or something. <laughs> that's so funny. What about you, Ro? Did you have a favorite outfit? Off... <sighs> Off the top of my head, I don't think I have one, but I know me and Gus have been like the... the Let's the wait cor- on that. Let's hear dates, yeah. and then we'll talk about that. Yeah. What I about you, Nate? Yeah. My favorite outfit was probably, I mean, the yellow hat. The yellow hat? The yellow... The, the yellow, Sergeant Peppers? Yeah, That's the what Sergeant I heard you guys Peppers calling fit. it. Um, let's shout out the costume designer here. His name, her name is Jacqueline Duran or Duran. It's with two R's, so I'm not exactly sure. Um, I know she's done stuff like was it Little Women, the Greta Gerwig movie maybe okay yeah right and then i know she had done hold let me get it up let me pull it up real quick because i I do want to talk about how she is kind of already used to like this oh okay 1917 beauty and the beast pride Mm. and prejudice oh wow she got it down anna corinna wow yeah spencer she's in the batman Oh yeah! Oh, yeah, that's why I wanted to bring it up. Thank you. Is that she's uh, she's doing that? So excited! Is that why the costumes look so good? Yeah, yeah right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like the Riddler's outfit looks sick. It in that does. Movie. Um, she did the 2015 Macbeth. The one oh, I told okay. you about Michael Fassbender. Yeah. So yeah, this lady's definitely she's versed in the versed in this like royal the traditional exact garments. That's pretty cool. Um, the moment that me and Roe are talking about, and this was I'm one so of those I'm point so curious screens, right now. Was like. I felt as a Mexican, I felt seen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, there's a scene where Diana is wearing this like red dress, and she's like, I think it's a fantasy because there's no way this was really allowed to happen in the castle. They would never let this much fun go down. Uh, she's like doing like ballet dancing like throughout mm. the estate, and she's wearing a pair of white Cortez. Yeah. I- what? I, I, that, I pointed at the screen like Leonardo DiCaprio. That was the final moment in this movie when I pointed at the screen. And I looked over at Ro and I said, Cortez. Because <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Maybe it was behind the scenes pictures that I was looking more into it. Because she wears the Cortez with the dress, right? Oh, I'd, I'd But she that. also is wearing them with that blue outfit you're talking about. Oh, you know what? Maybe that's just like her behind the scenes yeah, exactly. like, shoe that she was wearing. And then they were like, let's just throw it in for one scene. Because that's a very 70s, 80s shoe. And then, you know, like we said, Diana's a drip god. Yeah. So. But there is pictures of, of Diana wearing the... Really? Yeah. Like, oh, I've yeah, seen, yeah, yeah. I've seen she, that. She, wore, she, she used to wear the white and red ones. That's fucking badass. So I, so it is part of her story, but that's why I'm not sure if... I don't know if we got to see her shoes when she was wearing that outfit that you like, but she, she used to wear Cortez's. And that's so that's so why it was like sick. the small little touch to see them. I was, I was like, that's my favorite little the thing that she wore, because everything else is really nice. One of the other things that I really liked was the scene where she wants to wear black, 
Oh, and they, they don't, don't and they don't let her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they say they. Uh, I think it's Sally. Yeah, it had to be Sally Hawkins at that point in the movie. She tells her that it's not a funeral; it's Christmas. And like, and that's why they don't let them wear black. I'm I'm pretty sure in real life that Diana did end up wearing a black dress with pearls on someday. I as like as like a revenge for him cheating on her. So because. So. Right now, actually, because there was something I was confused about, so I made a small amount of research. Anybody hears me and knows that I'm wrong, I'd love to be corrected on it. But because I get, kept getting confused, because she's she was the princess of Wales, right? So her dad died in '92, and she kept saying a line of like, I think she's talking about Anne Boleyn, how she wore black for 15 years after, mm. or like for a long, long time. I forgot things. So I wonder if, like, a lot of the movie, a lot of what the emotions that she has still are because her father's been gone. And her father being gone now places her having to do tradition that is through the British, like, um, monarchy, monarchy, right? So I feel like her in that instance, like, wanting to wear black is a lot of, like, I'm still missing where mm-hmm. I should be from. Because I know that you had that question and I had that question. Why is it in the movie that she used to live somewhere else before that also looks nice? And it looks like it's very close to the estate yeah. that the royal family Christmas is at. It's like right over a hill. It's, it's yeah. right and there. And like constantly throughout the film, she's trying to escape where she is and get back home. Mm-hmm. And she that's why, like, to me, again, just because I don't know much about the history behind it, but she the jacket's put on the scarecrow, and she's like, that's my father's jacket. Yeah, that jacket plays a really important role it does, in the movie. Yeah. And now after reading, it makes sense to me, like, oh, because her dad had died. And I kept thinking, like, isn't her dad still around the whole time? And again, it's yeah. not because... I got to be honest, I didn't even think about that at all. Yeah. yeah. I like I, That was just one thing that I wanted to look on because I know the whole title of the movie is Spencer, right? And at the end, we get, like, a connection to that. And I was like, but where does that come from? Like, where? why oh, is she a Spencer? That, that was actually her last name. Yeah, like, I was like, why is she a Spencer and the rest aren't Spencers? Now, are they Windsors? I don't even know. Exactly. I don't, exactly. That's why I'm like, I, I don't know. And so I went to go do that research, and I found out that her dad had died in 92. This takes place 91. in... Yeah. And, oh, okay. It does take place in 91. Okay, so, I don't know. But, um... And that's something that I had just, like, looked I into. I just think because it's a, it's a fable, it's not... A retelling of no. the actual story is why this timeline is, I guess, confusing. I mean, it basically has, like, an alternate ending to, like, you know, like, she basically, like, I feel, I took it at the oh, end yeah. of the movie, like, she ran away from, like, she took the kids and left. Yeah, and because it's a fairy tale, it, it can get away with doing exactly. that. Exactly. And, like, it's almost a thought, like, what if this would have happened? Maybe, you know, would her life have turned out differently? If like, if she would have left. Diana yeah. Phyllis in, please. Yeah. Hit us with some facts. <laughs> yeah, hit us with some facts. Um, but I will say I'm honestly not that interested in the facts. I'm glad this was the way it was, yeah. to be honest, because I do want to know more about Diana, but I want to know even less about the royal family. Like, right. I could, I could give a shit less, to exactly. be um, One thing that I did want to ask you guys about, I know we had all talked about it before, um, this movie, the horror aspects they brought into it, like the reasons why I did it, I wanted to talk to you guys about, like, for me, the, the scene that did it a lot was like a mirror scene. Where she thinks she sees, <coughs> sorry, um, she sees the the Anne maid that she trusts. Oh, no, right, Maggie. yeah, Maggie. Maggie. She she thinks she's talking to Maggie because that's what you see on the screen too. But then when she looks in the mirror, it's one of the other servants. So, yeah, and that's like one of those things that because she has so much anxiety, because she's in her own head so much, that to me was like that's really scary. 
that like honestly a lot of these scenes in here that like allude to her being not okay or like some of the scariest things i've seen all month and i know it's already past october and we didn't really get to see too many of like the scary films like i didn't i didn't like a lot of the ones that i ended up watching but like that those psychological type of horror that was in this movie was some of the scariest stuff i've seen for october yeah. I would agree. Like the the scene that I had referenced earlier, the soup scene where she's literally just eating pearls. Like it it was gnarly. It, yeah. Um, what I had wanted to talk about with the pearls, since you had brought this up earlier, is that I told you this in the car. I feel like the car rides after the movie are like the pre pod. Yeah. Right. Um, is that those like symbolize like being a leash? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I like that. And because it, they're like a luxury, like so much luxury and opulence, of course it's pearls. You know what I mean? But like a pearl leash, it's just pearls, like uh, costumed. You know what I, do you get what I mean by that? Mm-hmm. Like it's just a nice way of. It's like a. It's like when you buy your dog a nice leash. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like you're still on a leash. You're still yeah. on a leash. Yeah, but so those constantly feel like they're choking her throughout the entire movie, and I just felt like that was a really like. Like, chef's kiss touch. Like, what a perfect little, like, symbolic piece of clothing for what the movie is about. And it's just a, it's just pearls. You it's know pearls, what I mean? Yeah. But they go, now I understand. Like, the older I get, the more I understand. The curtains are not just blue. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm a firm believer in that. Maybe because I wanted to make them blue. No, yeah. it means something. Maybe it, in some things, but in a movie like this, no. Yeah. Like, no. And talking about the curtains, that was another scene where I felt her anxiety of not being able to be normal. Or because not being a person, yeah. Not like, being a person. You because, can't have your curtains open? Yeah, they sew they her sew her. Co- yeah, they sew them so that she can't open them. And then she just rips them open. And I just thought that was, again, I'm never going to be in this position to be able to feel like I can't be myself. But it's like, I can't even open curtains because you guys are worried. Photographers. You know exactly. what their lenses can do nowadays. So yeah, like that's a, what they kept I just talking thought that was about. funny, especially because mm-hmm. it's the 90s. Something that I wanted to bring up was... So, Something that I'm very happy that the movie did not do was shy away from, like, her own personal problems. Like, she did have bulimia problems and, like, self-harm problems. It didn't shy away from that. So, I like that. But do you guys think that some of those horror elements and, like, these anxieties and these meltdowns could have come because she really was not eating the entire weekend? Like, she hadn't eaten for, like, three days by the end of the movie because she continued to just throw it up. That's true. And you even had, like, aspects with her dressmaker where it's like, I had to take this one in for you because you've lost lost weight. weight. And it was, like, every dress she was losing weight. I had heard Kristen Stewart say in an interview that they wanted to be very sensitive with how they portrayed this because they didn't want to make it seem like she was a crazy person going through this. Right. But that this situation would make anybody who was in it. It, and it, it teetered that line at a few parts, but I think they did a very good very job good. on. Yeah, I thought they handled it nicely mm-hmm. of not trying to just throw her under the bus. Like, and be like, oh, actually, she had a bunch of bunch of mental health issues, and that's why it, she was crazy. Just a little bit more, and I would have been like, was there something really wrong with her? But no, like it really is a situation that the she's line. in. The, yeah. The reason I would say that it is just more of what Gus is saying, and Kristen Stewart was saying, uh, it was because of the situation. And I talked to uh, to Gus about this on the car ride back home. Was I the scene where I think it's after when she's eating that the soup, because so everybody goes they go to sleep, and then she goes down to like their huge huge kitchen like oh. cellar, and then she has all these nice desserts and stuff, and she just starts eating it like a regular person. So it almost feels like she has these issues with eating because it's like. Everything is so formal. Everything is so grand. And she doesn't want to really be a part of that. But 
it's not that she doesn't want to eat. She's obviously hungry. And then that's why I feel like she, she felt so comfortable being in that room by herself. And the second that she sees King Snitch, she all of a sudden becomes very uncomfortable yeah. again because it's another reminder of what what is the what, the royalty, like what you're supposed to do. You're not supposed to be eating it with your hands. You're not supposed to be... Um, First of all, she shouldn't have even been up that yeah. late because there's a bedtime. Yeah. <laughs> so you what know, was she doing? I think, I think that's a really good point. Like, could could her, you know, like maybe she has these eating, eating issues around the family because they really drive her to that point of unst- being unstable. I mean, I feel like anybody yeah. who has family issues knows what Christmas can be like when you don't really want to see your yeah, family. right. And then for it to be this level. That's why I was like, this movie could also just be the, the worst Christmas with your in-laws ever. <laughs> you know? Yeah, literally. Yeah. That's, I, mean, I mean, that's really what it is at the yeah. end of the day. This is a Christmas movie. Simplified, also. yeah. Yeah. Not necessarily when you probably want to watch around your family, <laughs> unless you're trying to send the message. Yeah. Like, this is how you guys make me feel. <laughs> but <laughs> Charles is a is a dick in a scene. I think the day after this, where he tells her like a line about, "Can you please try to keep like th- they did?" Oh, the bees worked hard, and I forgot what else he says to bring you your meal. So can you please not disrespect them by throwing it up? Literally, yeah, like, that was so and it was insensitive. So fucked yeah, up. just more proof that he's like a piece of shit. What, yeah, he said like the bees them. made this honey and the chickens worked hard to make these eggs. So you yeah. better like eat it. Yeah, like what the fuck? Who the fuck says that to somebody with an eating disorder? Not even are you okay? Yeah, yeah no, not like once, not yeah. once are you okay? Like no. just a total dick. They just expect her to be someone she's not. Yeah, which is why I was so interested as to like how did she get, how did she become part of this? You know, mm-hmm. I I was wondering too like is was this maybe arranged or something like that because. Like I said, it doesn't seem like she comes from the most humble beginnings necessarily. So she, I think she was somebody even before well, this. She, she was. Or a, that her family yeah. must have been somebody before this. Um, yeah, like that, that kitchen scene that we were talking about. I feel like that kind of stuff is why this movie was so well acted. Because there's hardly any dialogue when she's just eating. But you're finally seeing someone like let loose and be themselves finally. And then for yeah, King Snitch to show up. And you automatically see that discomfort come through. And I, f- I feel like the royals are a good way to have acting in a movie that's not dialogue heavy and a lot of just expressions and uh, a lot of body acting. In this movie, I would say there was a lot of, I call it backting. Backing. I mean, there <laughs> yeah, was a lot of body acting. acting yeah. in this movie. And I always just feel like the royals are a good subject for that because there's so much that goes unsaid, but they feel so heavily about things. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, him being like that mouth in f- for the royals, and then f- to see how uncomfortable it makes her, it's just like, dude, there's literally nothing she can do right when she's here. No. So why would you want to be here? Yeah, you know, she's only doing it because she's literally it's her job to be there because she's part of the royal family. Yeah, ah, man, another crazy. another character that she does open herself up to. We don't see a lot of it, but there is one good exchange with them is with. Sean Harris, like Darren, like he's the chef and he knows what her favorite dessert is because I don't know if it's because years of obviously them being there or whatever, but they have an interchange of like, of I guess it would be how they're feeling because we don't, obviously he's a very loyal chef. So they don't very, they don't talk much. And there's literally signs on the whole, in the whole kitchen about like, please watch your voice. They can hear. So it doesn't seem like there's a lot of dialogue between the chef and many of, of, of his other I guess cooks, cooks, right, you would say. But then she walks down there, and they have a conversation for a while, and you could tell that she also has, like, this connection with him. And I thought that was really cool because, again, 
we we really like Sean Harris. Well, you know why he knows what her favorite dessert is because when you're nice to people, you're supposed to know things. Exactly, about people. you learn things about yeah, people. Yeah, you, know, you learn things about people. Like, oh, you know what your favorite color is because I know you. Like, yeah, not because exactly. It's crazy or it's something special or he must be a really good chef. Like, no, you're just supposed to know things about people. Yeah, <laughs> that's how like relationships work. You yeah, know, you know, <laughs> exactly. the more you know someone, the more you know about yeah, them. Exactly, like, and he's like the opposite. Like, it kind of seems like. Sally Hawkins and Sean Harris play the closest thing she has to an actual family right. mm-hmm. in the cat in the estate. Um, like actual, like then that, that becomes a point toward the end, towards the end, like actual love, like true yeah. love, you know. Uh, that scene that Rose talking about about the kitchen and her just having a conversation with him is when he a big theme in this movie obviously is currency, like ending up as currency, mm-hmm. and like you worry about how people are gonna remember you, but they're going to remember you as the face on this dollar bill or coin or whatever. But he tells her that you have to be careful. Like, and that, you know, you've been living here a long time. You should know that like anything that is said in these hallways is currency amongst the servants. And it's so like, there's so many different levels of things going on. Like you can't trust the Royal family. You can't trust the servants. It's like, everybody uh, is constantly waiting. It's like the most toxic high school ever. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, there's a, there's a line in this movie that is just, it's probably like one of the the few funny lines in this whole film is that Diana tells one of her servants like, and tell them I'm going to masturbate. Oh yeah. Tell them I said that. (laughs) Yeah. Because she has finally started to push back towards Mm -hmm. the end of like, you know, fuck this. I don't give a fuck. Yeah. Yeah. Like this is who I am. It's her break free moment towards the end of like, I'm gonna get the fuck out. (laughs) I love that. And they still come and knock on her door. Yeah. Just oh man. Um, what do you guys think? You guys wanna start wrapping up? Yeah, I think you guys got final thoughts? Anything left unsaid? I don't really have anything left unsaid. I mean, I'll, I think I'll just go ahead and wrap wrap it up. Uh, this movie was phenomenal. I thought I thought it was beautiful. It's one of the most. I I don't really want to say artsy, but like artsy movies that I've seen this year. Like and AMC told me it was an artisan film. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 the cinematography <laughs> was just on a whole nother level. Um, whether or not you know anything about Princess Diana, the royal family, whether or not you care about anything about them, I would recommend this movie. It's still a very accessible film. Very accessible. It's stuff that I feel like a lot of people can even relate to, you know, those stresses of families and, you know, stuff like that. It was a really good movie. Go see, see it. An honest portrayal of anxiety, <laughs> like in a heightened state. I feel like this is a good movie for that. Mm-hmm. This is an absolutely gorgeous movie. Beautiful, stunning. Every word that you could use to describe it, it is that. Um, if you if you like photography, this is probably the most beautiful movie of the year. I feel like uh, one of the reasons me and Ro were so into this movie was just because of our like background in photography, and um, I could have this could have been a silent movie, and I feel like I would have still enjoyed it just as yeah. just as much just because of how strong the 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 sense of direction is and like the storytelling just with the f- the photography itself. Um, so. I'm gonna. This is like to me five out of five. This is one of my absolute favorite movies of the year. I think this is an absolute masterpiece of what a movie can be. I feel like it really pushes the boundaries of like a plot and narrative, and it's like 100% vibes, which I absolutely fucking love. Five crumpets out of five crumpets. Five crumpets out of five crumpets, dude. Yeah, Spencer is definitely one for the books. I hope there's lots of awards for it in the future, and I hope Pablo Lorraine gets to keep continuing making whatever the hell he wants. And you have a new season ticket holders, that's for sure. Kristen Stewart, I think she's probably going to get Best Actress for this. I think so, too. uh, (laughs) Those are my closing closing statements. Those are my closing thoughts. My closing statement would be you touched upon it a lot. Um, 
really love the heavy grain on this. I think that might be just a it's bias. A the the grain is amazing. The color palette in this movie, we talk about that a lot in the other movies where it seems that they repeat Hollywood likes to repeat a lot of the same color palettes, but in in this there's a lot of mundane colors I would say. Like they there's use a lot blues of blues instead of gray. Yeah, or like the yellow dress, yeah. you know, um the cars there's a lot of bright, like the jacket is red. There's there's, there's a lot, lot of, of bright. There's a lot of colors to juxtapose the mundane colors. So I really like that. And then I was hoping that Kristen Stewart at least gets a nomination for this. I don't like. So far, I can't really see. I can't really think of a movie that we've seen for the Potter that I've seen from this year that it was so like concentrated on one character and so carried through her acting i think she was not in, there was no scenes in this movie that she wasn't in i don't think that's what i was maybe thinking two yeah and i think it's like just the chefs preparing the meals and stuff like that and so i hope she gets a nomination again i hope to see more from this director i know that you said she did jack he did jackie yeah and that one uh natalie portman won a award for that yeah and and so that makes me want to go watch it some more because that's almost the same kind of thing it's not that i that's more like our American royalty, but that was the last time that happened in America. So I'm a little bit, I'm more interested now because of this movie to go and see Jackie. Um, so yeah, that was my closing statements. Yeah, I would say. last thing, I think uh, me and you would be very interested to know in a few months when more information starts coming out, what film stocks they used for this movie. Yeah, right. I mean, it has, yeah, I, I, it's, I'm, I'm going to just take a guess that it has to be some vintage Code, like Kodak that they're using, yeah. Like the 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 one that I would say that's probably the same one that Kubrick probably used in Barry Lyndon. Probably. I I yeah. That's those are the things that I'm gonna say is like I'd love to me personally be able to shoot with whatever they were shooting. I'd love to just be able to take pictures of anything. Honestly, it looks so good to me. And yeah, I I also give it like a four and a half out of five. I give it four and a half crumpets. Four and a half crumpets. All right, guys. <laughs> Thanks for checking back into the Grand Cinema Hotel. If you're listening on YouTube, like and subscribe. Uh, ooh, if you made it this far, the code word. Oh, great. Oh, my God. Did we do that in the last the last episode? Oh, did we? I don't even I don't, remember. Oh, yeah, it was Ghosty Boys. Ghosty Boys. Oh, yeah, Boys. we did. Okay, yeah. Um, ooh, what do we want to do here? Oh, what I, do, got, what do you got? I got All my homies hate the royal family. <laughs> yeah, okay. So if you made it this far, DM us, all my homies hate the royal family. <laughs> On the Grand Cinema Hotel on Instagram. And uh, thank you. Bye. Bye, guys. Bye, guys.